0: Hello and welcome back to Series 3 of the Poolside Pass podcast. In today's uh, second episode, uh, we're going to be speaking to Kerry-Ann Payne about all things uh, open water. This is an episode that um, originally appeared uh, as part of our, our parent podcast, uh, but we thought you know, bringing the open water discussion onto our, onto our coach podcast would be a great thing to do too. So before we jump into the interview with Kerry-Ann Payne, Uh, It's just a quick line from our sponsors, Streamlined. Become a qualified swimming teacher with Streamlined in as little as six days. Learn at your own pace and be guided by our expert tutors. You can do your training face-to-face, online in real time or a combination of the two. Assessment can be in your club using videos or attending one of our assessment venues. We offer tailored, high-quality support. Quote the poolside pass for an extra 10% discount.
1: Uh, we welcome our guest today, Carrie Ann Payne. Hi, Carrie. Hello. Kerry uh, is uh, two-time Kerry Ann is two-time world champion, gold medalist at the 10k open water at the World Championships 2009, 2011, and silver medalist at the Beijing Olympics in 2008. That is quite a feat.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: Um, the main topic we want to talk today, really, carry ann please, is is about really becoming world champion in your drive to develop and empower sort of high quality open water swimming, um, coaching qualifications, really, through your straight line swimming company, um, which is created by yourself and your husband, who himself, um, I was reading, is also two time gold medalist at the 2006 Commonwealth Games. Um, so quite a quite a family. Um Perhaps we can start really from your journey um, from pool to open water and and just uh, to to it to sort of world champion.
2: Yeah. So my journey, I think, um, I quite often get that it's a, a bit of a different story to how people assume that most Olympians are, everyone assumes that most Olympians are really competitive and they're really kind of firing anything we do is competition and that once you when you retire, you really miss it. Um, that's not really the case for me. I um, I absolutely loved my career. It was a long one. It was a brilliant one. I did some amazing things, went to some amazing places, but I am very happy that I no longer have to get up at 5pm and go training anymore. <laughs> but my journey really, my journey started as a youngster and I was lucky, I guess, in a way that I had an older brother and sister who were both already swimming. Um, and I just, my brother's nine years older than me. So all I wanted to do was just basically to get attention. Um, and he was swimming. That's what he did. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do as well. Um, little did I realize that actually i I had an an absolute love for swimming. So my mom made us do everything as kids. Um, not in a, you will do this, but in an everything. She she made us try everything. We did gymnastics, we did ballet, we did hockey, we did cross country, we did swimming, we did uh, running. We did absolutely any sport that you can imagine. She just wanted us to try everything so that we, we knew what it is that we wanted to do, netball, Uh, water polo diving synchro the the works literally we did everything um but i kept coming back to swimming and that was the thing that i absolutely loved the most um and my brother was swimming still at the time as well and when he got into his teens and i was kind of of the age where you know i was like oh big brother you're amazing and and he was like oh (laughs) just go away kind of thing um but swimming was the one thing we really had in common so it was the thing that i loved the most and really i was when i was a youngster i was i was really i was swimming for two reasons. One, because I loved it, and that's where my friends were, and two, was because I was trying to impress my brother. <laughs> I wasn't trying to impress anybody <laughs> else other than him. So when I raced, I didn't care who I was racing against. It wasn't about that. It wasn't even about winning. It was about doing a really good performance. Um, and that kind of um, kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going throughout my, um, my career, if you like, from a youngster through to a teenager. I didn't have to try and, you know, win my brother's heart anymore because I'd won it at that point And he was fine. And he, you know, he did acknowledge my existence, which was great. So we get on really well now, by the way. Um, but you can imagine the difference in age was was an interesting one. Um, yeah. But the thing that really kind of made a difference was um, taking the realization that actually I was swimming for myself. Um, And that's really when I realized that kind of, I guess, when I got to about 16, 17, when things in the pool started to get a little bit tricky. And I realized I wasn't racing for myself anymore. I was racing to make teams and I was racing to make um, the Olympic Games and the Commonwealth Games and to win medals. And that really was very different to how I had grown up. And I'd always grown up wanting to be the best version of myself. And all of a sudden things changed around that age, that age bracket. Um, and then having the realisation again that I needed to do something that I wanted to do. And that's when Open Water really became an opportunity for us. My coach at the time, Sean Kelly at Stockport Metro, he had he'd seen the opportunity that Open Water could bring. He knew my background of being born in South Africa and having done loads of Open Water swims there um, would be a good base, a good background for me to try this new sport, which was going to be a new Olympic event. And. Um, he didn't obviously phrase it like that to me he just said there's a great opportunity you can go out to Australia and try a 10k and I thought that sounds like something I definitely want to do <laughs> and the alternative was to do a 400 medley in Sheffield and um, so I really kind of picked the best one I think in the in the moment anyway yeah um so yes yeah, so I went out to, to Australia and, and again just kind of fell back in love with um with with something new I must admit, and hopefully this doesn't put many people off, but I must admit the first few 10Ks I did, I was thinking, what are you doing? This is completely ridiculous. I'm racing for two hours. I'm doing 10K in the open water. All these girls are swimming all over the place, um, and I have to swim through jellyfish. Oh, what? Um, And it did take (laughs) quite a few 10Ks down the line to really understand and really take and love the sport. But... The things that really made a massive difference for me was my venues had completely changed from pool sides in Sheffield, in Manchester, in Stockport, even around the world, the same sort of types of pool sides to incredible beaches in Hong Kong and to um, wonderful lakes in Seville and rivers and all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, some amazing places. And it really did open up a brand new world for me. And I really loved it. The the people were different as well. They were because um, it was an emerging sport. Everyone was still very friendly and kind of, you know, connecting. And, and I was I was so lucky that I had the opportunity to learn a lot of the skills that I did learn right from the beginning from a guy called Alan Bircher, who was our best open water swimmer at the time when we joined Um, The world. He was super experienced, he'd done so many things. Um, And I guess he took on the role of big brother, really, in a way. Um, And just really taught me how to love it and how to enjoy it. And he introduced me to all the other countries and all the other people. And so it just became a really wonderful place. It totally reminded me of being a kid again, where I was just going swimming with my friends in the open water, getting a suntan. Might have been up there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was just great. I really, really loved it. And like I said, when I when I made that transition, I really made a big effort again to try and focus on what worked for me and what was important to me. And it wasn't about going and winning medals. That was a byproduct of something else. For me, my career has always been about trying to be the best athlete that I could be. I never took any supplements. I only you know, my diet was very much all the food that I'd taken was very much fresh stuff food that I consumed myself it wasn't about taking anything to aid my performance that way because I was very strong and very kind of um big on trying to make sure that I was the best athlete that I could be through the training I was doing through the food that I was eating and through the gym that I did essentially and um, and that really set me up to to, to kind of do that to, to become world champion double world champion olympics silver the medalist because it was about me doing what I could do, controlling what I could control to be the best athlete that I could be and not worrying about the pressure people are putting on you or to worry about trying to win medals. It was about going and doing the performance that i had been practicing and training for. And the outcome of that would be what it was going to be, whether that was to be world champion on the day or uh, or to be second or to be fourth or to be seventh. However, my career kind of unfolded as you went through. It was about being the best athlete that I could be on that day.
1: I think to have that pure love and passion for the sport and 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 be in that sort of um, that the, the character with which you sort of undertook those um, must have been, you know, fabulous looking back saying, you know, I just love doing what I do.
2: Yeah, I really did. I really I love the training. Um, again, another thing I get asked all the time is, oh, I bet you're happy not to have to do those sessions anymore. Or what was your favorite session? And really, for me, my favorite sessions were the hard ones um, as well as the easy ones. But they really were the ones that I felt were making me a better swimmer. So it, it, I knew that we had a set amount of sessions that we had to do a week that were going to be really hard. And I had to push myself in those sessions and do what this, the coaches were asking of me, because Ultimately, that was going to make me a better swimmer. That session had its place within the whole program that I was doing, and you know, so every session was a contribution towards that kind of end goal, which was me being the best version of myself. It wasn't about, oh, I can't be bothered doing this session today. I really can't be bothered. Or oh, why are we doing this one? I'm going to do it next week again. I I knew the purpose of every session and every part that every session played within that goal. It was about, you know, this is this part, this is this part, and there were some sessions which I'm sure if Sean listens to this, he will probably go, you definitely didn't enjoy those sessions. And there definitely were a few that I just couldn't quite get my head around, which was on a Friday morning, um, we had to just do 5K straight. And that was really, and I was the only one myself and Cassie Patton, my training partner at the time, we both had to basically just do this 5K session. And that was um, you know, our way of recovering, of getting ready for the 10K because it was half of our swim. We could do all of that. All the other people in the, in the squad were basically doing I'd say basically nothing on a Friday morning and um, I'm sure they would say something slightly different being yeah. the, the only two distance swimmers in a whole squad of people um, but it was I just I couldn't quite get my head around that and it wasn't until and he's probably going to kill me for saying this but it wasn't until I moved on to my next coach to, to Laurel Bailey when I went to Edinburgh for the last four years that I really, I took a bit more control over my, my, my training and my performance and what I was doing, which was quite a, a breath of fresh air for me at the time. because I was 24 years old, things needed to change slightly. I wasn't, you know, the 15, 16 year old girl anymore. And um, I needed to just train smarter essentially. So I took a bit more control over that, which was through my coach Laurels and um, kind of persistence if you like because i was very happy to just go and she could tell me what i needed to do but she was very big on on me taking control of my performance anyway that's probably for another story but <laughs> one of the things that i did see when i looked at the program i thought you know what i really need to do some really long swims because that's going to give me the confidence knowing that i can do the distance no question and my technique can be good for 9 10 11 k um, doing that so what we would do essentially on a Friday morning it was short course instead of long course this time I would start a four-week block and it would be 9, 10, or eight nine 9, 10, 11 k um, and that's what I would do so I would do eleven k up to eleven k short course on a Friday morning non-stop um but actually I quite enjoyed those sessions in the end because I was the one that had taken the you know I'd saw the the benefit the value the of that. Yeah, and I'd taken the initiative and it wasn't something I felt like I was forced to do. I really did genuinely see the benefit in it. And as I got older, I realized that the best way that I recovered was just by doing long, continuous, easy swimming. And um, so really, that session served a big purpose. It also, to be honest, it added to my resilience, knowing that I was doing 11K short course non-stop while all the other swimmers. It wasn't any different. All the other swimmers in the squad were all sprinters and they basically did nothing. Um, but, um, but I basically had to, you know, do so. it definitely added to my resilience as well as adding to my overall performance, my recovery and all that kind of stuff. So it did have some really big benefits. But um, for me, all those sessions added to this end goal, which wasn't to win an Olympic gold medal for me. That was a dream difference between goals and dreams. And, and my goal was to be the best version of myself um, with a dream of, you know, representing my country and standing on a podium if I was um, if I was able to do that.
1: That's a lovely sort of attribute to have. And I think all of those sort of those endurance swims, um, obviously your technique for those swims has to be so constant for that period of time. I suppose when you, you know, for you, when you decided enough was enough um, and did you move, did you think, with the technique that you'd created and how you'd done it that was you knew at that point you were going to try and create you know something like straight line swimming methodology or how did that sort of come about from finishing at, at the highest level
2: it came about very uh, not quite in that way, actually, um, it came about that I I knew Rio was going to be my last Olympic Games. I knew I wasn't going to be able to, to push my body any further and, and I was ready to take on something new. Um, I really did feel that, you know, I'd say that about three months before um, the Rio Olympic Games, I was driving to training one morning and I, would, I just to not have to do this again and i was like whoa i had never really said that before ever but i could feel that it was coming and i knew my time was coming mentally physically and all that kind of stuff and i I'd, I'd had a great career and i'd already chosen this was going to be my last one um but what i didn't want to do was what i'd seen a lot of other friends had done um, which was to end swimming and go right okay what am i going to do now um and i didn't i didn't go to university i, I didn't feel like i could give my time to swimming and to education at the same time so i chose swimming and thought i could do education until i was 90 but i can't swim you know at this level until i'm 90. i'm sure i can swim to to a level until i'm 90 but it was just a decision i made my family supported me they backed me um and I just didn't want to, to, to stop really just having nothing to step into so at least a year in advance of me um, retiring my, myself and my husband David so he retired after the London Olympic Games and he went into um, the corporate world and um, he used to travel a lot with, with pool swimming stuff that he used to do and we used to travel together on training camps and we just hadn't seen each other as much so we thought you know what if what if we could create something that meant that we could spend time together we could travel the world and we could help people swimming Um, and that's essentially where my first business which is triscape that you're talking about my coaching business came came about and really it was about taking people on some amazing holidays around the world and making sure they had a holiday but also improving their technique along the way and inspiring them to take on any swimming challenge that they had so that's what it was about really and and open water was always going to be an element to that but we'd always start in the pool first um, and then through that journey so uh, certainly through that first two years and um, what we noticed when we were coaching people or, or taking people into the water there was quite a lot of common mistakes that a lot of people were making and when we'd said you know this is the mistake you're making they would go well that's how I was taught how to swim that's how i've been swimming my whole life and we thought right okay so what we did was how can we really help people with this now we we need to make a difference we need to help people the corporate world that my husband had stepped into was business coaching, executive leadership teams. And so he'd come at it from a really coaching perspective in the true sense of the word, asking questions, going on guided journeys, you know, how can we help empower people in order to do these things? Um, And we thought that's kind of really when we looked at our strokes and said, right, what is it that we do individually, reverse engineered our strokes to go, what is it that we do that make us efficient swimmers? Are there similarities between the two of us? Because we swim quite differently, but are there some similarities? And we noticed that there were a couple. And then we looked across some of the best swimmers in the world, the Becky Adlington's, the Michael Phelps's, the Ryan Lochte's, the, you know, some of the incredible swimmers, not just on the freestyle side of things, but on all of the other strokes. They actually realized that there were similarities between, between everyone's stroke is slightly different. And that was one thing, one big realization that everyone swims slightly differently. So to try and swim like Rebecca Adlington, I'm sorry to say, it's not going to be possible unless you're Rebecca Adlington. The same <laughs> person that can swim like Michael Phelps is Michael Phelps. However, what Becky and what Michael were doing, the fundamentals of their strokes were the same. Essentially, they had the same criteria for what they were doing. And we realized that that there was three things, really. and, And it wasn't just three things, but it was the order that the three things needed to be done. Now, the first fundamental that really is important is breathing. It's incredibly important breathing, and it's amazing how many people don't focus on it. And I'm not talking about bilateral breathing, one way or breathing the other way. And this golden rule that apparently everyone has to be able to bilateral breathe, I can tell you, is not true. It has got to be something that feels comfortable to you. If you can breathe both ways, great. If you can only breathe one way and you feel faster, that's because you are. Again, if you look across the best in the world, most of them will be breathing one way. Anyway, that's a separate story.
1: Yeah
2: is that a lot of people are um, don't focus on breathing, and a lot of people are over breathing, breathing too much, especially with adults that are getting into swimming, that it's like they're doing a completely different thing, and they, you know, they breathe very differently in the water, hyperventilate themselves, breathing in too much, breathing out too much, all that kind of stuff. So breathing is the number one thing for us, and we don't move on into that until someone really understands what we're talking about, and we get them to do some drills and exercises. And um, then we, we work on someone's body position in the water and, and how important your body position is in helping you become a more efficient swimmer. Um, and it really was these first two things that we noticed that the way that swimming teaching was taught a long time ago, um, it really, swimming has moved on quite a lot, but the, the teach some of those teaching mechanisms haven't quite moved on or, or people were taught how to do certain things. As an example, um, thumb entry first, which was uh, taught alongside the, the s pull. Now, that's what moving on to the third thing, which is repulsion in your arms and legs. But we know now that that is causing a lot of injuries and in a lot of swimmers with rotator cuff injuries because, you know, you're internally rotating your, your shoulder into the front. So your thumb by your thumb entering first, putting the pressure of the water on top of that. Which is about 800 times more dense than air and what it does is it's causing that the ball and socket joint to rub which causes impingements so what we're starting to see is that you know people are starting to change things the way that swimming teaching is done now is slightly different um, and and all that sort of stuff so really what we what we noticed with our triscape side of things and the coaching we were doing was that this new way of coaching it wasn't just about the way that the things that we were delivering but the way that we did it in a coaching approach empowering people to make up their minds and what makes them feel better how does that feel do you feel more efficient and that made a massive difference and that's really where straight line swimming the methodology was born Um, and that's what our fundamentals are breathing first of all then onto body position and then onto onto propulsion onto your arms and legs and what they do and And then then from there, really, I I just had a great opportunity to meet up with um, Dave Candler, who's the the CEO of the STA, the Swimming Teachers Association. And they were at the time working on an open water coaching qualification and they were looking for people to join the working group to create the qualification. And I was looking for someone to help us to, to certify straight line swimming, essentially, because the methodology had worked for us. Um, I've coached over 2000 people over the last four years, five years, how to swim. And it's had incredible results across all those people. Um, so I was looking for someone to help me with that and they were looking for someone to help them with a the qualification. And that's really where the business, if you like now, that is what is straight line swimming, um, has, have, was really born from was, was creating the qualification. Um, and the methodology that we use is the methodology used within the coaching qualification as well for the front crawl side of things
1: and and the and the, the level two open water qualification, obviously that can be done obviously at the moment in lockdown, obviously um, online. Um, yep. but but obviously, you know coming out of lockdown, hopefully, um obviously on more face to face. and obviously you've got the CPDs as well to continue continuing professional development.
2: Yeah, so what happened then was that the STA were really happy for us to create these CPDs, these continued personal development courses, based around our swimming methodology. So we've three CPDs or there's one that's all three of them together. Now they're very much from a swimming teacher, swimming coaching perspective, but I'm a big believer in that if you are going to learn how to do a skill, the best thing to do is to try and coach yourself through it. Um, So they helped us to create those and that that they kind of sit on the STA's website. And then what we did with that was, um, so I said to the STI, I would love to join you on your qualification, but I need to be comfortable with everything that's within it. And I want to be part of it. And I want to make sure if you're going to be using my name and my image that it's it's really good. I'm not just going to stick my name to anything, even if it's anything open water. And, and they were delighted and said, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's do this. I don't think they were expecting me to get quite as involved as i did get involved um and you know I kind of looked at the the qualification and thought we really really need to start again from all the stuff i'd learned over the last you know coaching 2000 people and all the skills that i'd acquired through my years of, of, of racing open water a lot of people didn't know the most efficient way of doing things and, and the way to do things. Um, and actually, even within our sport of open water swimming and some of the best swimmers in the world are just muddling themselves along. They, they don't really, no one really teaches these skills. It's just something that you learn and you try and hone yourself along the way. Um, so I really got stuck in and, and all the open water skills, the technique, um, the, the front crawl technique side of things and all the coaching side of things of the, the manual and of the qualification, had come essentially come from myself and from and from David so they really weren't expecting me I think to get quite as involved as I did but I'm really delighted that I did because I not just that stuff but the rest of it the safety stuff and the way that they've created the qualification and how we've done it the prerequisites that we have so we decided experience in the open water was a huge part of why people are wanting to get more people into the open water a lot of people aren't getting into open water because they want to coach kids how to learn how to swim. They want to help adults get into the open water to enjoy it as much as they do. So mm-hmm. we decided that you didn't need a, a pre-qualification in order to join us. There's an online upskill that people can do to have the same knowledge, uh, at level of base right. knowledge that swimming teachers would have. But experience is a huge part. And if you if you haven't had open water experience, then we've said you can't do the qualification until you've had that experience. So. We either ask for um, like a letter, a letter of recommendation from someone, or we get some, um, or we get uh, like a, a screenshot if you like of an event that someone's done, like an open water swim that someone's yeah. done. And for us, that's a really important part of it. So, um, having kind of then created those those two things, and 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 then becoming a tutor of that, and, and I thought that I absolutely loved coaching. I do really love it. I love inspiring people and seeing their faces when they when they figure out for themselves what they're supposed to be doing. They go. Oh, that's (laughs) what I am supposed to be doing. And oh, it feels so much easier now. And I was like, that's exactly what we're aiming for. It's not meant to feel hard unless you're pushing yourself. Um, But I cannot tell you how much I've loved tutoring the qualification. I genuinely cannot even put into words how how proud I am of what we've managed to do. So pre this year, I'd qualified about 125 coaches. Um, and the way the course runs is it's a three-day course. It's a, bit, a mixture of classroom-based um, practical experience in the water and all that kind of stuff, and, and you get qualified within that portfolio to fill out, and I, and I mark that risk assessments, all that kind of stuff, the important stuff there. But then this year, through lockdown, um, we worked really well, really hard with the STA and Ofqual and all the people involved with qualification to, to check if we could make it slightly virtual, essentially. So what yep. we started to do is to run two days of Zoom classroom work essentially. So to do all the classroom work within two days. And then when we could do that third um, kind of practical element uh, in one day. So we, we break it up into three parts. So we, we still get to see them do, deliver three coach type sessions, but only one of them in the water, two of them land-based exercises. And, and and what we managed to do was open up this new industry and this new opportunity for people who a lot of them were swimming teachers who basically had no income coming in and um, they fell to the cracks of the help with the government because they were self-employed and and they were looking to take on something new like open water swimming and um, and we we definitely I, I so this through the the summer I was to call it the summer qualification process which started at the end of um beginning of april and ended at the beginning of october really qualified so not even just in the two-day zoom but the third practical day we managed to get through them in the summer i qualified 110 coaches this year so considering in the previous two years i'd only got to 125 in two years i did 110 but what we then again spoke to the sta and said can we continue to run this through the winter because what we tend to get in april when the season starts is that I can only run so many courses in April, but so many people want to be ready to take the season on. And so what they said we could do is essentially run a course a month between now and April and run the practical sessions in April. Um, And the course that I'm running next week, which is again, more of a virtual one is already full. It was oversubscribed. So we had to start sending people away to the December course. So we've got a course in November, December, January, February, March, and then we'll be running the practicals in April to qualify all the, the through the winter. Which is just amazing. Um, It's certainly not something I had expected um, to happen, um, if you like. As in, I I knew that people wanted to do the qualification, but we hadn't expected this many people. And we've had absolutely everyone you can imagine, triathlon coaches, a lot of people who just absolutely love more swimming, and they've helped a couple of their friends. and They just wanted to know more themselves, but they wanted to make sure that they had all the safety element in place with their friends because they felt like it was – something that they needed to do which it is something that they need to do so that sounds like you definitely come along because we will make sure that you know exactly what you need to put in place from a safety perspective even if you're taking friends along because the hard part with with swimming is that there's a bunch of legislation not just with swimming at any sport really there's a bunch of legislation that needs to take into consideration and if you're taking someone out into the open water you automatically become Um, They become your duty of care, essentially, whether it's paid for or not, whether it's a friend thing or not. So that's what we've had a lot of people come across that way. Lots of swimming clubs, actually, who are wanting to add an open water element to what they do, realizing that there is a pocket of swimmers um, within their club who just love swimming, but not... They don't see the same opportunities in the pool as they do in the open water. So lots of clubs have come to us and asked to help us to create that the open water element to their club already, which is helping the clubs because it's retaining lots of their swimmers, but helping them do a new sport that they really love doing, which requires training in the pool as well. Um, and then, yeah, just lots of people who are just desperate to change their careers. And, and we've definitely helped, helped someone go from um, a corporate pharmaceutical job to, to running their own um, endless pool training center in Northampton and he's just changed his whole life
1: absolutely loves it wow but what what a feeling you must have you know taking these people on this well vertical journey from one career to a to a completely different career that 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 you're so passionate about and um and and are empowering
2: yeah I really do love it I really love it and and that kind of led me on to you briefly talked about earlier the global open water coaches conference that I put on because I knew that a lot of the coaches I already had from the previous two years and the ones that I was coaching this year were starting to really worry about COVID and how it was working. And, and, and I could see they were getting a bit anxious because I have a, a Facebook group, a support group um, for all those coaches and they were getting anxious and worried about things. So I thought what we need to do is to create something to really help them figure out what it is that they can do in order to be ready and prepared. So risk assessment, safety, cold water swimming side of things, and understanding the industry a little bit more, making swimming a bit more diverse. And so I I called out and reached out to a bunch of friends and to people who I was really interested to hear from, and we created the conference. And we did it via Zoom um, because I wanted the speakers to see faces, not to do a webinar where you can't, you just kind of fingers crossed, hope that people are there listening. And it went incredibly well. So what we're working on now with straight line swimming is to is to kind of take that on even further and creating a platform within our straight line swimming website, which will be um, there'll be a couple of different things within there. Fingers crossed. I'm going to say it out loud now. and It's not been done yet. But fingers crossed now that I've said it has to work. We'll have a coach finder as well. So somewhere where swimmers that someone's looking for an open water coach, they'll be able to find an open water coach. Hopefully in their area, but someone close to them because I've coached all the way from Scotland, all the way down to Penzance and um, literally <laughs> country, Ireland, everywhere. Um, even in Switzerland, if you live in Switzerland, there's a couple of coaches out there yeah. Dubai, like in Hong Kong, if someone come over from Hong Kong to do it. Wow. Um, so that coaching element is part of it. But then there's this expert talk, this learning, this knowledge and um, CPDs, there'll be a load more CPDs on there as well. So creating this platform for coaches to really Um, to learn more, to hear from some experts like Jamie Monaghan, who, if you know anything about cold water swimming, she is the queen of cold water swimming and swam in the Arctic. She swam around Manhattan four times. Like she's got incredible records and just, yeah, really excited to speak to all these amazing people. And in a similar sort of setting of Zoom where they can, people can ask questions and they can see stuff so that's kind of what I've been working on at the moment and I'm really excited about that that part of it as well so just creating more for these guys to really learn and to improve and to empower my mission really with straight line swimming is to empower the world to swim outdoors and yeah. and and these coaches are helping me to do that
1: well I, I think you you seem to have already reached such a high level already and 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 as you say you know covid has has grown that exponentially and giving you that opportunity to to grow it in in so many ways in the amount of coaches that you've managed to already qualify this year so um, yeah. and in 2021 just quickly before we finish um triscape um and your um hopes for triscape in 2021 and beyond
2: Yeah, so TriScape, uh, as with many travel companies and coaching companies, had to take a bit of a back seat this year, um, which was okay because we were so busy with the qualifications. But I'm really excited for next year. Um, We've got three retreats, hopefully, that they can all kind of come across. So, what we do, as I said earlier, is to take people to really wonderful locations around the world so they can have a holiday, but also learn how to become more efficient swimmers at the same time. So in March slash April time, we're hoping to go back out to Nevis, which is one of the Caribbean islands attached to St Kitts Nevis. And that'll be a week retreat with a swim um, from one island to the other. That usually happens every year, which is really exciting. Um, and then in November, October time, I'm hoping to go out to Tresco um, to do an introduction to cold water swimming out there um, as well on just an incredible island in the Isles of Scilly. And then in, in, back in mid to November, which is where I should have been right now, um, was out at, in St. Lucia at the body holiday, running our, our two weeks from Fit Retreat and some adventure that we'd normally have out there. But this year just didn't quite work out for us um, to go out there. So I'm hoping that will happen. I'm hoping we'll be able to um, create more masterclasses like Another thing i do with with triscape is i deliver master classes to swimming clubs to triathlon clubs to open water clubs anyone that's really interested in in learning um some methodology which i can do in, in an hour essentially what's three hour process but we do it at least an hour and a half in the water of, of actually the practical experience um, and then some yes yeah, some, some one-to-one coaching again which i really do I do enjoy and I do actually miss. I've just had no chance and um, and pools and all that comes. I'm trying to figure out how we get involved and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, that's what
1: hopefully will be for Tirescape. It sounds like you haven't got a minute to, to, to spare and, and <laughs> all these different balls that you're juggling in the air. <laughs>
2: Indeed. Yeah, it is definitely a balancing act. But it's one that, you know, they, they definitely... Um, complement each other so it is easy for me to try and figure out how the work that the next month the next couple of years should should kind of work out
1: yeah and they all seamlessly knit together yeah yeah, yeah. well i carry on that was um an incredible insight into your journey um from world champion to leading and, and inspiring the world to uh swim outdoors and um thank you so much um for your time today um it's really really appreciated and, and sharing um your 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 you know your goals your aspirations and um and your drive to um to get the world to swim outdoors so thank you
2: thank you very much my i love talking about it so um yeah thanks very much for letting me talk <laughs>